This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences, the page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. <laughs> we got it this time. Better job, Christopher. I don't know, like... Last I, week, you just fell apart. I, I, I fall apart every other week. I don't know if it's necessary. Like, I guess it's necessary, but I listen to other podcasts and they're just like, hi. <laughs> and here I am talking like we're on the radio or something. Well, I don't know. Our friend Leslie Jordan... Hey, what are y'all doing? You know, you if you yeah. if you start it the same way every week, then there's something for people to remember. That's true. That's very, very true. Like we're mostly about saying our names. Like the rest of it is just sort of, you know, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. blah. Mostly we want you to hear our names and buy our books. Buy our books. Buy our, buy our books, books. Buy our books. Yeah, I know. We got that comment that you know one comment will stick in your head on Absolutely. social media. Um, and so we like to really grind it home. We like to just grind it home. So, so that's that you... the only reason we're doing this is to get you to buy our books. For God's sake. Exactly. We don't love true crime. Well, we really do love true crime. But that's what we're talking about today. Although we did have a response on the Facebook page that said maybe. Love wasn't exactly the right word for the obsession that he experiences with true crime. But we asked you, why do we love true crime stories? What do we gain from studying them and discussing them? We'd love to hear your thoughts in detail as your hosts share their own. We're taking it way more seriously than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of a blanket statement here at TDPS. Everybody's taking everything more seriously than Eric does. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's that's almost always true. Unless we are talking about the air freshener in the bathroom here at the studio. Eric has very strong opinions about air freshener. Well, we had that big exchange about the right or wrong scented candle at the start of the last episode. Actually, I don't think we put that on the podcast. We had it right before we hit record, which was a shame because it was fun. I guess. Yes, I I I guess the, I think I do have strong opinions about stuff. I'm I think I have okay opinions about that. You're really much more the scent guy than than I am. I'm the scent guy. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what they call me on grinder. 
the Christopher like you like one of the aspects of our scented candle conversation was that you had examined some of the literature that came <laughs> with, the, with the candles that I ordered, found a scent, went to a local store, smelled okay. it, and found okay. it to be unacceptable. I okay. was like, "Wow, that's that's a lot of effort." I was in the local store, not specifically to sample Desert Sage, which was what the brochure that came in the package was about. I saw Desert Sage. I was there buying a gift for somebody else, and I was like, oh, this is an opportunity to sniff Desert Sage. After, Is there anything more ridiculous than a brochure about smells? Like, it needs to be scratch and sniff. Like, you can't just describe a smell to me and expect me to be impressed, because it's always advertising bullshit I'm well, being pointed Antigua at Antigua Pharmacista will actually send you cards scent cards oh wow if you want them do they do like a scratch and sniff of the month program like could I get a card a month you know I would get in touch with them about that I think they might be open to doing that, that they sounds seem like, like you're telling of, me to fuck off that seems like they're so, <laughs> no honestly their customer service is really kind of personal and remarkable like they yeah. I have interacted with them and it's like you know writing to some guy who writes you back and talks to you about stuff or some woman or whatever but like it's not some sort of dismissive bot thing right exactly god bot chat have you have you experienced bot <laughs> yes. chat where you, yes where i will just say is this a bot am i talking to a bot i've actually i actually talked to a survey once that turned out to be a bot on the phone oh my god it's just like it's starting to really yeah but you you couldn't tell immediately no like mm. there was a point at which i was like i am not talking to a person i i was i started saying things that were not in keeping with the script and she was like but i love you eric don't leave me and you're like that's what the bot would say that's what a bot would say no you're a bot are you a bot if you ask them that i had one actually admit it on from GoDaddy the other day <laughs> Under pressure, under <laughs> duress. Usually they won't. Usually they will say whatever. It just kept saying, could you rephrase that? And I was like, I need to talk to a person. I, need to I can't talk to a person. I can't keep explaining the problem. First you ask me what the problem is, and now you can't what's going on, Christopher? I need to explain to you what's been going on for the last minute because you've just been seeing me gesture. So when we do these episodes where we talk to people on our Facebook page. I do screen caps of their responses and put them in our notes. Uh -huh. Well, what I have to remember to do, because it's Facebook, is to click see more on the longer comments. And so we have a comment from our wonderful Natalie Gutermason, who is a very loyal party person, which I forgot to maximize. So I was trying to get to Facebook to see what she actually wrote in its entirety, and I could not get there, probably because of bots, as you were saying. So see, it all comes full circle. No, it's because my phone's in the other room, and I can't get on Facebook on my iPad. <laughs> Because I have two-factor authentication set up. <laughs> wow. Look, I, there's a lot to do here. I mean, you just go on and on and on forever, and I really make this ship run. I, that's what happens. That's I'm how researching this, our candles. That's how this happens. I'm yeah, doing that's the way that this all this unfolds. I'm just this sort of yeah. You know, I'm all I'm all arm candy. I'm Mike candy. <laughs> You just make sure you look pretty and nice. Right? You, you just, do your hair up right and show just, up on time, and the men will take care of everything. Everybody, yeah, the grown-ups are talking. <laughs> yeah, the um, grown-ups are talking. All right. So we're looking for dinner party show posts. Yes. For whatchamacallit. Wow, this is really... And I can read you the first. Natalie says, I think I heard comedian Whitney Cummings say that women love true crime, not for entertainment, but to learn how to stay alive. 
That's not to say that true crime victims could avoid their fate, but rather to say that we want to hear the truth of the d- And that's where I... <laughs> Where I failed to maximize the rest of her comment. But I think there's a lot there. But rather to say that we want to hear the truth of the dark things that are happening in society in the hopes that being aware of all the dangers might somehow make it less likely to happen to us. Right. And of course, not all women feel this way. And individuals who don't identify as women probably do feel this way. Boy, Mm -hmm. I'll say. I do. For me, personally, I cannot watch true crime shows. Otherwise, I would never be able to go to sleep at night when I listen to the two of you give the summary, I get the best of both worlds. Oh, well, thank you, Natalie. I, the I, information with a splash of humor yeah. and no haunting footage in my mind, except that episode where the young man went to the party across the border in Mexico. Oh, God. He was horrifically murdered, oh and I will never get rid of I swear to God, yeah. no kidding, Natalie. That, I, was, that one just really, that was the worst vacation ever. That, that, poor, just, that was just Horrifying. That was like a horror movie fantasy. That right. was beyond. Like usually, they're terrible in their murders and whatever. And yeah, yeah, I, I do love them. But yeah, it is, it is really. But that one was just like, my God. Even last week, and I have to say, I had the, the I got the willies after watching the um, clown last, the, the clown man. and the candy man. Mm-hmm. I was like late at night and I was like, yeah. oh, now I'm kind of freaked out a little bit and. Whatever. Like, they didn't break into people's houses on no. top floors of apartment buildings and drag them off the balcony or whatever. I don't know what I was afraid of. But it's still, I get the willies. It's like I'm alone here and what's going to happen? I agree. I, 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 But I also really agree with what Natalie said about this. The the women taking ownership of this whole genre of conversation, like I, I've said again and again, it was largely the inspiration for us to come back and do this podcast that I went down to see a live taping of my favorite murder in San Diego with two friends of mine and I was expecting the auditorium. I knew it had become a very popular thing. Right. I didn't expect 2,000 people to be there several nights in a row. It was that popular. But I didn't expect it to be all women in the audience. I expected it to be like you know kind of like rocker guys who were into hearing scary stories but this was about you know as evidenced by their own catch uh phrase stay sexy and don't get murdered this was about women having a conversation about the dangers of being a woman alone at night although i think you are more likely i think you're more likely to be murdered if you're a man I think so. By another man. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure it's just hostility and anger and competition and that sort of thing. But but still, I think there is a sense. I remember Anne talking about it, saying that being around people who could kill you, you know what I mean? Just like all the time, like that sort of. And I don't know if that's entirely genetic or if it's a lot societal or whatever, but I think it's definitely something women must surely have to deal with. I think what women are also dealing with in a way that maybe men are not is a, is a nexus of that constant threat with sexual sadism and just pure sadism, sort of incoherent, rageful sadism that doesn't feel prompted or provoked, whereas a lot of the men who are likely to be murdered, those murders may happen in a in a bar fight yeah. or, or an ex- mutual explosion of hostility, or whereas a woman of... is like, I'm just trying to get to my car. Why is this happening to me? Right. You know, I don't I know think... you. We're not having anything. This is just about you targeting me because I am a woman. Exactly. It's almost like a hate crime thing. Exactly. I was going to say, I feel the same thing about uh, being a gay man walking alone at night. Am I walking too feminine? Is my wrist hooked correctly? You know, like I, I, stopping at a gas station in in a non-urban area is actually scary for me. I, 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 I code switch 
maybe is the word for it, but like I try to present like I'm not gay, you know? Like it would happen a lot on the way back from Palm Springs, you know, when my mother was alive and we would go visit her. I would think, is this a conservative part of the Inland Empire? Should I be, you know, whatever? It's, it's, it, it's, the world can feel like a scary place. I sometimes worry that it seems scarier to me than it is because unlike Natalie, I do watch all of the true crime specials. Yeah. <laughs> We really watch all the details, and we're like, yeah. I will always remember we were going home, I think to Anne's or somewhere. We were going somewhere in a car. Somebody was driving us, and yeah. you said to me, I'm not sure apropos of what. You said, yeah, I'm thinking of writing a comic novel. <laughs> and I said, in which hundreds die due to the confluence of dark forces. And you said, yeah, something yeah, along those lines. Absolutely. And I thought, yeah, okay, that sounds like, that sounds like the comic novel that Christopher would write. When Although I lately... When I was, I know, I was going to say. You're kind of rom, you've gotten a sort of rom-com kind of thing going on with your new mm. Sapphire Cove thing. I call them emotional and steamy romantic dramas. They're less rom-com-y than, than, than there are a lot of rom-coms out there. I don't think I'm quite there yet with rom-com. There's still some explosive scandal or the, someone's going to lose their career. The boot or, with the, um, yeah. with the, the, oh, the, the Reese's Cups. Little Connor Harcourt that in his just, boot. Yeah. That was really, that was pretty rom-com. That yeah. was pretty fucking funny. While you're on Facebook, I trust you're still on Facebook. I am. I looks like I also forgot to maximize Amy Wallace's comment. Can you see what Amy Wallace had to say? It begins research. Yes, research first and foremost. How did these poor victims meet their end? How could they have avoided it? Anyone can be a victim of a crime, but being aware of the place and the people around you can prevent a crime from happening sometimes. My favorite crime stories are the ones who got away, the mm. ones who survived some horrific encounter and lived to see the perpetrators be caught and punished. Yeah. Right. Don't yes. you love that? That is really that. I'm with you, Amy. Yeah. In fact, I think there are whole shows devoted to that. Oh yeah. We yeah. should do one of those. That's right. a, that's a good suggestion. That's a. I've seen those, and and it is. It can be really, um, really. It gives you a sense and empowering. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a very sort of empowering thing. But yes, I think we should all have more situational awareness. I don't know that you yeah. need to pretend to be somebody that you're not, but I think being aware of your circumstances is really an important part of every aspect of life. I think people, yeah. I think we kind of, a lot of us sleepwalk through life. It's easy to fall into. You're busy, a lot of distractions, a lot of screens around you, a lot of other things going on. And I think people drop mm-hmm. out, pop some earbuds in their ear, and they're really no longer present in the world that they're actually in. And things are going on around them that they might not even be aware of. So I, I, I'd like us to move to another topic. This one is cutting a little too close to home. We could maybe not talk about walking, taking long walks with earbuds in and being completely unaware of the traffic or the other people on the street. Although I will say, um, as many politicians have said, the homelessness crisis in Los Angeles is very complicated. However, the degree to which it has introduced some very unwell people onto the streets has led me to be more situationally aware during my walks around the neighborhood than I might previously. Like maybe I turn the music down or off if I see someone who I think might be get out of their space and into mine. It's gotten that bad here, to be frank. Um, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, I just really we went somewhere recently. I think that we, um, I think that we we certainly have a homelessness problem, but we also clearly have a um, a shortage of campsites problem. Yeah, I really think that we should begin building campsites. Yeah, like I think it is odd. Yeah, that there is this confusion about whether or not you can. 
camp in public places. I, mm-hmm. I can't. I'm not allowed to build a home in a yeah. in Echo Park, even though it might be a great place to build a house and I could afford it. Like, right. it's a public space. It's a shared space. So right. I, I certainly, my heart goes out to people who are, you know, who, for whatever reason, not living in some in a home. But like, I really feel like. If the problem is that they need some place to put their tent up, we should provide that. Yeah. I think that is something that could be done, you know, much more cost effectively than building new houses or whatever. I I think that's ultimately the goal. But before we get there, if what we need is temporary accommodations, then let's build places with showers and bathrooms and Mm -hmm. laundry facilities and dining halls and, you know, like – and you can come put up your tent here and mm-hmm. be in a safe and policed and sanitary environment as opposed to on the street or an island in the mm-hmm. middle of the street or a park. It's Yeah, it is really a distressing thing in, in Los Angeles right now that has completely gotten out of control, and I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of solution. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press. When a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad?
Maria Jason had this to say in response to our question. She said, personally, it is something I find fascinating. What is different in these folks who feel the need to kill, torture, etc.? I mean... I know they are, quote, wired differently, but was there a, quote, triggering moment that set them in a spiral? I am nosy as well, she says. I need to know why, how, so many questions... I love you both and enjoy listening to your banter and deep discussions. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Maria. Well said. She also says, we gain the knowledge of knowing why. We also gain that intuitive insight on what to avoid. A lot of people are saying that in their response. Yeah. Obviously, we can't be alert at all times, but at least we have the knowledge. I'm going to tell you, though, the thing from that I get from Dateline. Yeah. Don't fucking get married, man. Marriage is a killer. <laughs> That's the thing that always astonishes me. That's the one that nobody has ever really answered. Like, just get a divorce. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That's I usually am sitting there thinking, why didn't you just get a divorce? Like, right. it would cost too much money. Well, really? But, but mer- bail is also expensive. Yeah, and spending the rest of your life in jail is really like, you know, that's a pretty yeah. high price to pay to save a little money. Like, I just... <laughs> I'm, you know, like, I guess it's cheaper but than divorce, but, like, yeah, really? Like, right? really? Uh, in the long run, maybe not. I maybe just, not. No. I just, I, you know, they say you're more likely to be killed by somebody you know than anybody else, which makes sense. It's sort of like um, planes are more likely to crash during takeoff and landing because they are nearer to the ground at that time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should be laughing. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, the person who's always in your house is, yeah, yeah. I could see that, like, right. as opposed to having to go out and round up some stranger to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. I think that happens, but I think that right. it makes sense to me. But oftentimes it's like, it seems like, why did that seem like the best idea? Mm-hmm. You know, why did Marvin Gaye's father shoot him? Like, really? That That really seemed like the way to handle whatever was going on at the house that day. Like, yeah. Or uh, Peterson, Scott Peterson, like, I'm the marriage was going bad and you were seeing another woman. So get a divorce and marry the other woman. Murdering your wife and unborn child, wow, that seems extreme. I, I Like, I have my doubts about they, them proving that case, but right. I don't really have any doubts about whether or not he did it. Yeah. That seems pretty obvious. But, like, why? What is the reasoning? I'm not—it's a part that I just don't get. I don't get it either. I think that—and when I try to identify with it, which I do very cautiously, it's like, is it this individual's version of throwing the TV remote because they're mad? Which I've done. You know, I've had moments of losing my sh- my temper— alone mostly at myself because I did something stupid or I'm stressed out or whatever. Do some people express that as a murder? Like, is it just, is that the wire differently that Maria was talking about? Like there's no limit. And I can understand if somebody got in a fight or whatever and somebody got pushed and they hit their head and it killed them. You know what I mean? Like, okay, but that's not quite the same as I made these weights out of, uh, uh, you know, at my boat, shed and out of cement and took her out in the boat and dropped her into the, you know, like, that's really, that's like, wow, that's... Uh, Well, you know, and and there's, looking at the Scott Peterson case, right, assuming that he's guilty, um, there is, there are two elements to that. There's, I want this person gone and I want you to believe, not to, I don't want you just to not be guilty of it. I want you, 
the community to believe a completely alternate story, which is that I'm an abandoned victim. Right, So I'm going to leave my wife for another woman. I'm going to cheat on her, but I'm going to convince all of my neighbors that I was the injured party by making her disappear. I think you are someone, you're a really independent, iconoclastic person who doesn't really give a shit what other people think. And Ever. I think a lot of murders that we talk about, or I would say specifically the Dateline domestic murders that they talk about, are people's attempts to manipulate the storyline for social gain. In addition to getting rid of the person they don't want in their life. I guess so. But that, again, seems always kind of ridiculous to I know, me. Like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. There was, this, um, there was a dateline uh, a couple of weeks back where the woman murders her husband, shoots him right in the back of the head. They're the only ones in the house. And it's because she hasn't been paying the uh, employee taxes at the, their business. Hmm. And so she's going to cover it up by murdering him and then closing the business and selling it off and leaving, even though they're in the middle of, like, did the IRS just drop it? They just said, oh, never mind about paying everybody's taxes right. now. Right. Like, how does shooting your husband in the back of his head? There's something else that I want you to entertain. I, I, actually, I saw that I, it was actually a show where I didn't think she, I thought either she didn't do it or there was no, they didn't prove it at any level because there was no reason to do but it. But I also want you to take something on board here, okay? Yes. I know yes, this okay. is going to be right. hard for you to accept. A lot of people are not as smart as you. A lot of people are really You're a very smart man, and a lot of people are not as smart as you. But this is a nurse. Uh huh. Okay. They're, that's pretty smart people. I like, know. That they passed classes that would send us crying in the hallway. <laughs> you know, our friends who go to nursing school, it's like, you're doing what? You have to learn what? You're at school how long? Oh, my God. Like, the best is when you have a friend who's like, oh, yeah, I'll just become a nurse. They just walk around and help people. And then they're like, I failed after two weeks. I was I was asked to leave the campus. <laughs> I had to turn in my nurse's uniform and leave in my underwear. <laughs> Like, oh my God! Like it's really hard. Okay. Lots of science and math. Science and, and math. Yeah. However, this would be. We have a friend who uh, graduated nursing school, and you and I went out to the graduation. And part of the graduation ceremony was a picture collage of everyone from his class over the years, and a it was all show. parties and whatever. And Eric says in this booming voice, we're sitting on these football bleachers in this gym. They sure had time to take a lot of pictures during nursing school. <laughs> I was like, Eric, shop. <laughs> but they were all, and it was like, you know. It was like, did they ever go to classes? <laughs> they weren't taking pictures in class. They were just sitting party. in desks. They were in jacuzzis and hot tubs and whatnot. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is like... <laughs> Party nursing school. Like, what's going on? Tonight on Cinemax. Did anybody go to class? All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. That's enough tomfoolery. Uh, Elkie Jar uh, Jarbo says, for me, it's the macabre, morbid fascination. Little more. And the disturbing chill I get in thinking about the killer. Oh, my God, that guy could be anyone I met today or even work with. I will say that when I was younger, I had a far less intact sense of empathy. I enjoyed a juicy, gory, graphically described true crime story far more than I do now. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I have had a similar, like, we do stories where it's like, oh, God, why did we pick this one, like, last week? But honestly, we picked it because 
people kept requesting kept John Wayne John Gacy. John Wayne Gacy, and we did it, and you, we're done. If you you go back and listen to that episode again, if you yeah. need another fix, because exactly. he just disgusting and very disquieting. That whole. Yeah. It's a bigger issue. Well, I'll say this also. I think there is a difference. When I was a young person, I could watch really gory horror movies. Like I saw all the Friday the 13th movies and stuff like that. The the true crime stories that you read highlight the difference between scary kind of silly horror movies and the real sort of, what is it, the mendacity of evil or the, what's the? Um, mendacity means the lying of evil. So no, it's be. the, it's like the, oh, fuck. What's the, it's my goddamn podcast. I should be remember. Nobody's making me say sayings on the goddamn ear. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't remember it, I shouldn't fucking say it. It's like how mundane evil can be, right? It's the whatever. Everyone listening now is like, it's the blank of evil, you moron. Well, we should, you should look it up. I don't have my phone. You're looking up stuff today. You're doing cough drops and lookups because Brandon stole my phone so he could go on Instagram while he records our podcast. Yeah, that's what happened. The banality of evil. I got it. The banality See, of evil. All you had to do was make as if you were going to best me and look it up before I could think of it. Yeah, it, it can be. It, yeah. it can be. Um, I, I like the salaciousness of some of the things is what I like. But I like it when it's more about the scandal of what's going on mm. around the murder. And I also am fonder of trashier. Way trashier. You way trashier. always trying to yeah. get us to just do the bottom of the barrel. I just trashy true crime. Those are the ones that really, that, that I really enjoy. But define the trashy. Most. Define trashy. Because I have a definition of your version of trashy, which is actually a little bit more intellectual than the word trashy. You have a de definition of me that's more no, intellectual than what? I have a definition of your definition of trashy. I think I know what you mean by trashy better than you do, but you go right ahead. What do you think I mean by trashy? Hypocrisy. I think you are drawn to stories in which perfect, uh, holier-than-thou people are revealed to have a sordid underbelly, and their secrets are sort of squeezed out yeah, by their singer's clothes. The nosy person. The person yeah. who said they love the nosy. I, yeah, yeah, that's the—it's like peeking into mm -hmm. somebody's life and whatever, but I—yeah, but I also love when they're kind of— Half baked. They're kind of badly done. They're just sort <laughs> like of, the porn star wigs and the reenactments. Absolutely, yeah. the the, the or whatever it was we call it. Right. Um, but yeah, it is the more salacious details. She's um sleeping with her cousin and mm -hmm. dissolved her husband in a bathtub full of acid and Jello and served it at the mm -hmm. the cotillion. You know what I mean? Like I just those kinds of stories. I just think are. There's some there. It is a morbid nosiness. It is a, a very much a, yeah. a voyeuristic kind of uh, frisson. Rob Ladislaw says simply, partly it is the ultimate gossip. That was his favorite. Absolutely, yeah. I. That is the perfect description of what I love. It is like the gossipy ones, like um, Vanity Fair's whatever confidential. Mm -hmm. Vanity Fair confidential. I think that's what. Yeah, <laughs> I like Vanity Fair. Whatever's confidential yeah. better, but yeah, I thought there was murder confidential. Whatever, but yeah, those stories are. There is a scandal being presented. Scandal that happened in and around the murder, and that really, I love. And that. I think you like, like Brooke, that Brooke Astor's son, yes, kill, uh, abusing her and maybe killing her and going to prison for it. And just really, those stories, I just love those yeah, stories. Yeah, totally. 
Angelina Farmer is very smart. It's why she always notices when we don't post the Wednesday question on time. <laughs> She's better at doing our jobs than we are. I don't know if I like true crime because I'm an anthropologist with a major in forensics and in archaeology, or if I got into forensics because I like true crime. I am unsure what drew me to any of it. Indiana Jones, not counting as he alone, sparked an interest in archaeology. Not because it was finding treasures or punching Nazis. I've done neither. Yet because it can be an adventure. I listened to, oh, she hasn't done either yet. I listen to true crime and think how I would have handled things. Sometimes my great brain goes a bit too much to the Indiana Jones style of handling things. <laughs> Whips and fists, oh my. And I am always amazed at how some slip through the cracks for years, and I actually cannot wait to see where this is all going due to science. Interesting point. Interesting. Point. And I think that the Nazis ought to keep their distance from Angelina Farmer. I yeah, think she absolutely. might punch one if it got if he got too close to her. Um, yeah, I think there is certainly. I think that. Um, I think that it's the the notion of speaking for the victim. Yes, is the 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 to me that's the the ultimate the art of forensics is mm -hmm. actually standing up for having advocacy for right. the person who has been the victim of this terrible circumstance, this awful crime, um, when they can't. And using the information that they are able to give you in their, even after death right. in order to get them some justice or, right. or um, to identify at least the perpetrator of the... The awfulness. Stephen Fink had a response along those lines. He says, in some cases, it's the mystery. In some, it's to see justice was done. In others, it is to see the injustice done on others and hopefully how it can be prevented from happening again. In the first, it's satisfying to solve the mystery because we all like being right. The second is always satisfying to see that people don't always get away with fraud or murder, that most of the time they get what they deserve. That's probably why I like The Closer so much. Was Brenda really wrong when she took Turl Bay? Wow, we're going deep cut on The Closer. That's an iconic Closer episode. She was episode. not. She was not wrong. wrong. He wouldn't confess, and so she just took him home. She it took him home where wrong. his murderers were laying in wait for him because they knew he was going to. But she just took him home. Yes. That's all she did. Uh, the last I pretty much covered. I hope this wasn't too confusing. I should never post things just before bed. No, not confusing at all, Stephen. We went deep on our closer obsession. Yes, absolutely. I'm completely in on that she was not wrong. If you don't know what we're talking about... Watch uh, The Closer, for heaven's sakes. What's wrong with TNT, you? but it's a pivotal episode of The Closer where she's trying to get this horrible... What, did he kill a child? Didn't he kill he a little girl? He killed a grandfather and a kid. Yeah, like, horrible. They wor worked at a local store that had the protection of the gang, and it was just an awful thing. He did this awful thing, and she wanted him to confess to it because right. he had done it, and she couldn't prove that he did it, but she knew that he did it, and he wouldn't say that he did it. And so she said, well, all right then. Then I guess we can't hold you, so we'll just take you back to your house. Where his fellow gang members who assumed he had confessed and ratted them out were waiting to punish him, and she had some awareness of that, she, that she was, was putting him in danger. It was very likely that yeah. he was going to be in danger by taking him home, and he wouldn't have been in prison, and uh, that was his call, yeah. not hers. And uh, he got killed. And he got Spoiler killed. Spoiler alert, he gets killed. And uh, it's a huge scandal. Turns into this gigantic long-term scandal that ultimately destroys Brenda's career. Oops, spoiler alert, but it has been like 10 years ago, so I don't feel too guilty.
I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Gina Rowden uh, went on a a time travel tour with her answer. She said, I find it intriguing to listen to how murders were committed in other eras compared to what happens today. You would think we have enough technology that all criminals would be caught these days, but no. That's true. However, I feel like more people are being freed from false convictions because of technology than new people being caught. I think that's absolutely true. I think that stupidity catches most criminals. Yeah. Falsely, incorrectly, or their stupidity. Yeah, Yeah, I think the criminal, the person who actually committed the crime, gets busted because of their stupidity more often than anything else. And because, and the added factor that not only is their stupidity, but it was not a premeditated crime. I think a lot of people who get caught are the ones who lost their shit and didn't cover up their tracks well and weren't really thinking it through. I always say this. This is like my stump speech, but like the the criminal justice system is designed for 99% of the cases they get, which is really stupid people doing a bad job of crimes and not being able to get away or cover up properly. And copping a plea. And the cases we hear podcasts about are like the outlier cases. I want to hope that's the truth. But the statistics, I think, support it to a certain degree. I think so. And yeah. we like it's what Marsha always says whenever yeah. she's on the show is that it's just, yeah, they're mostly like they get a they take a plea and that, that would just be morons. Marsha Clark, who'd known to that me. Marcia that Clark. Marcia Clark, good friend of ours and good friend of the show. Regular visitor to the dinner party show. The she has never show. been on this show, but we don't really have guests on this show very often. We don't because you're so difficult. And so we don't want to bring them on because you get in fights with no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody's funnier than Eric. That's <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, I wouldn't mind it. Um yeah, but or yeah. admit it. Yeah, yeah. I never admit it. Oh, okay. God knows. Speaking of us, yes. Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther, a regular party person commenter that we love, says this I do not find murder and torture interesting at all. I cringe at the fact that these real life things even exist. The reason I never miss an episode is because I love Christopher and Eric. I listen early on Sunday morning and their voices kind of feel like my version of the masses I was forced to attend as a kid. (laughs) Anomino Patri. Yes. Each Sunday must have something I can count on to start the week and I can count on them being in my headphones. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tommy. That is very sweet. And, um... I, you know, I guess we are very liturgical. You are, at least. You've got that <laughs> voice, the voice of God here. Yahweh, my co-host, Yahweh. That's it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to surprise you with a question. I'm going to surprise you. Okay, I'm going to try to be question. surprised. Is there a true crime story that we have covered that you wish we hadn't done? Huh. And why? That's a really interesting 
question. I wish I'd had a chance to think of it. Oh, and no, no, no. With an interesting answer. It wouldn't be a surprise. I, honestly, my first blush answer is I don't think so. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember having that reaction to, um, like, we've covered stuff that's been bad, but oftentimes that makes for the most interesting review, you know, sure. where it's either a bad show or whatever. I We've certainly done things where I felt like, I wanted more information mm-hmm. where they didn't do a good job or I didn't agree with the outcome right. of what happened. I watched it and go, the case in point that I brought up earlier, the mm-hmm. dateline where the woman allegedly shot her husband in the back of the head. I was like, well, you didn't prove it. Yeah. And why would she? Well, it was just, right. it was dumb. It was weird. And they just didn't cover it. And I, I felt like that was really strange, but I don't know that I feel that way. Do you, is there one that you wish we hadn't covered? No, I don't think there is. I think for the reason that you said, I think that we always have, it's about the conversation that we have about it. And I think it's about true crime TV club. is not about trying to prevent definitive, present definitive accounts of a true crime story. It's no. about critiquing the way it was presented to us. Absolutely. And I don't know if there's anything I had my going into it. My biggest misgivings were about the clown and the candy man. And some of those were born out in our last episode. And not all of them were, that was a question of degree wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I think things that are, we are dealing with an increase in disinformation and conspiracy theories. And I think as you and I look for things, we have to sometimes be on guard as to whether or not we're actually promoting something that's a passel of shit. Well, and that's the reason that I took the tone that I did last week. And I thought that was a passel of shit. I felt very deceived Mm. um, and misled by that particular thing. I thought they did a terrible job and did not in any way provide the link that they promised or any sort of um, connection to between the two horrible serial killers and the hook, the, the procurer, the pimp, pedophile the, ring. Yeah. the pedophile pimp ring. Um, I just didn't think those things were in any way linked. And one of them wasn't even proved or substantiated. It was just this sort of general kind of accusation. Yeah. Like, I, I think that certainly the, the pimp, the pedophile procurer, um, got at least what he deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly was a criminal. I don't yeah. think that I don't think that it was okay or yeah. that he was being But he wasn't linked maligned. to any murders. But none of the what they were presenting, the kind of idea of this sort of big international trafficking ring and him being linked to some greater conspiracy, I just thought was bunkum. I just yeah. thought that was QAnon bullshit. Like there were plenty of horrible crimes. And the thing that really annoys me about that kind of nonsense is there are plenty of horrible crimes out there and plenty of people being um, injured by the criminal behavior of others mm-hmm. to waste time on there's a pizza place in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. That's the nexus of some giant porn ring that Hillary Clinton is running or the Queen of England is selling drugs right, yeah. or whatever. I mean, that's like... That, that just pulls energy away from stuff that's actually happening that could be prosecuted or, or investigated you're or pursued. You're reminding me of another example of that, and it's almost it's almost like if you're looking at it as a partisan spectrum, it's on the other side. But it was the discussion of, and I'm forgive me for forgetting his name, uh, Blaze Bernstein, the murder of a young gay man in Orange County. We did, I think, a 2020 episode yeah. about him. And we were talking about the case, and then it was all about this the internet habits of his killer and was the killer converted to this way of this hateful 
group that didn't seem to have very many people in it, and it was suddenly about the internet is going to get you. Everything evil is on the internet, and right. people are being brainwashed. I mean, that's the thing you're hearing more and more people saying about people who just disagree with them. They, he's being brainwashed, and it's like, or he disagrees with you, and it's unpleasant, and it's difficult. But I don't know if brainwashed yeah, that was a, is... that was a terrible, know, that was yeah. a terrible report. Because, yeah, here this poor kid was murdered tragically, hooking up with this kid, this other kid from mm -hmm. that he'd known in school, and they wanted to talk about white supremacist websites or something, mm -hmm. which I certainly, that's awful, but I didn't tune in for that, and we don't cover that here. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. I think that the less said about those awful people, the better. I think a lot of that shit is being encouraged by the media because it's just easy, low-hanging fruit. It's right. just like satanic panic. It's, it's this easy thing that you can sort of drop into when there's not you know when when the story isn't good enough or right. sexy enough or hot enough i can sort of make it about this ridiculous current buzzword thing that i think is going to be more appealing and i find that kind of journalism really pervasive and um mm -hmm. corrosive yeah absolutely uh, let's see. I want to go back to our party people and make sure I didn't look over anyone. Carla Powers says, I like a good scary story except with true crime. It's real, which makes it scarier. In most of these cases, it happens in a normal place to normal people. She right? put those words in quotes. Therefore, it could happen to any of us at all. Absolutely. And also, on a smaller, more narcissistic scale, it puts my problems into perspective, making them not seem so bad. Interesting. Yes, there's that. Also, I find it disturbingly fascinating to see just how twisted some of these people are with the crimes they commit. And there is closure in seeing those people get what they deserve. Mm -hmm. I. Like, I'm frequently frustrated by episodes of of uh, Dateline where they nobody has ever been, you know, like, and it's still unsolved. And it's like, do they do that? Doesn't happen very often, but yeah. occasionally it does. And I'm like, well, then why did you bring this up? I'm here to see somebody get it. But like, when they started covering, oh, what was her name? Laughlin, I can't remember the Lori Vallow. Lori Vallow. Lori Laughlin is Lori on Laughlin. Full House. And That's why I was thinking it can't have been, but it was Lori. Lori yeah. was the overlap, Lori not Laughlin. Lori, Lori Vallow. Vallow. Like there hadn't been anything. They didn't know where the kids were, and mm -hmm. there wasn't anybody being taken to to trial or whatever. So like. They do that sometimes. They cover something that's in process or in yeah. progress or disappearances that have still remained unsolved, and they'll present possible suspects, but they don't necessarily... Well, I feel like it's a window into what they're doing all the time with a, a big number of cases, because when they do finally do something, they often get a lot of story in there. They've, they, they start... I, I've read some things, and they've talked about it on their own podcast, which they've started, Dateline, I mean, where they, they start working stories years out before they feel like they're ready for prime time because they do want as much closure as they can include. And sometimes you'll see it even in the coverage. The person, the people they're interviewing age yeah. during the course of the- And like die. New, new hairstyles or yeah. whatever during the course of the, the investigation itself. Another one they did recently was very much the case. And another one where I was like, this is bullshit. You did yeah. not prove this. This was not proved. The entire family yeah. said it did. he did not do it. Yeah. Everybody, nobody believed that he did it, and he still got sent to prison without any sort of proof that, you know, like I just am like, I'm always really, it that always gives me the willies. People who, yeah, who get convicted, and it's like, yeah, they didn't prove it, and I don't really see how you've got any case. 
Brad Shreve had this to say on the Facebook page. True crime is interesting, but not interesting enough to listen to most true crime podcasts. I listen because Christopher and Eric are so damned entertaining. Yes, <laughs> they paid me to say this. We did not pay Brad to say that, but we thank him nonetheless. We paid him in gratitude here at the Dinner Party Show. That's TDPS so funny. is the Dinner Party Show. Anyway, um, I think... Uh, the what was it? The very first one, True Crime TV Club, we did, or the second or the third was a, a satanic panic story called South of Salem. I was one of the yeah. first. If it wasn't the first, it was one of the. And first. I think the reason we get so hot about it is because all of those soupy, vague conspiracy theories are used to target people who are different. That's what the satanic panic was about. Those were four gay women who were living openly, relatively openly, as gay women in a hostile time in a hostile state to gay people. They were accused of crimes they had not committed. By the most sketchy, questionable person involved in the entire case. Mm-hmm. That horrible man who probably did it. Yeah, totally. The ex-husband of one of the women who was furious that he had been left by her for another woman coached the child victim to say absurd things that were not provable. Um, the women went to jail for years. They were not let out, or one of them was not let out because she would not issue a false confession. She hadn't done it, and they said, if you confess to this, if you go to all this re-education for sex pedophiles or whatever, she's like, I'm not doing it because I didn't do I it. I did not do this, and yeah. I won't say that I did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was hideous. And it was it was this sort of media gend up, you know, we hate this. I Like, as a weird person— Mm-hmm. It is daunting to see people get convicted because they're weird. Yeah, absolutely. I can't stand it. I can't stand that. Well, my gut told me she wasn't reacting the right way. Or she was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, your gut wrote the Constitution? Like, who the fuck are you? Reacting like, the right way? There's yeah. a right way for me to react to stuff? Like, right. where is that? Mm-hmm. Where's that manual? Right. Like, I just, those kinds of things really mm-hmm. flip me out. Right. The woman who sang the... Uh, the what was the country western song about somebody's gotta go oh Earl's gotta die that was a dateline episode yeah, yeah. She, that was their proof that she killed her husband she went to karaoke with some girlfriends and sang Earl's gotta die and that was the proof that she I guess fed her husband antifreeze yeah. or something and there was no physical evidence that she had actually committed this they case. They couldn't prove that she'd ever yeah. even bought any antifreeze the only person yeah. who'd ever bought it was him and the Thought supposition was maybe he took it to kill himself, mm-hmm. but that there was no and nothing to connect her, and she's in prison. Yeah, yeah, that really. I just it's like demagoguery. It's like when Nancy Grace gets up there and starts to, without evidence, claim that she just knows somebody's guilty. I'm like, take a seat, bitch. And you know, like I will say, like I will say of Scott Peterson, I feel pretty certain. <laughs> you know. I feel pretty certain, but I do not think they proved it. I do yeah. not think he should be in prison because I don't think they proved it. I think he went to jail because, yeah, seems like he did it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a pretty good case, but yeah. But there are some cases where there's just genuinely no proof. Yeah, you know, and those two, the woman who supposedly shot her husband in the back of the head, and the the doctor who apparently killed his wife. These are two datelines that we haven't really covered, just absolutely no evidence whatsoever that they did the crime. Like, she didn't have, she called the police, she didn't have any blood on her, she yeah. didn't have any gunshot residue on her clothes or on her hands or anywhere else, but she shot him in the back of the head and then called the police and they immediately came to the house and right. the body was still warm. It was like, this is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Um, I think we talked earlier about um, science getting people off who were falsely convicted. Uh-huh. I think. I think that more than anything, there needs to be an analysis of those cases and an analysis of the wrong gut level thinking the investigators used to come to the conclusions that were later disproven by science. Well, I will tell you, the people that I hold most responsible are the prosecutors mm-hmm. because I think they are given the wrong marching orders. I think there is a premium placed on getting the conviction mm-hmm. that supersedes whether or not justice is being served. Right. Like, if you don't think that, you know, if you can't actually prove that the person did it, you just mm-hmm. think that they did or whatever, then you shouldn't be prosecuting the crime. It should not be, the imperative should not be prosecuting and putting somebody in jail. The imperative should be determining beyond a shadow of a doubt, mm-hmm. not just proving beyond a shadow of a doubt, but actually determining beyond yeah. a shadow of a doubt that you have the right person. Because I just, I see stuff taken to trial all the time where there is, on these shows, Right. I don't, you know, keep up with things get taken to trial that much outside of the shows, where it's just like... Yeah, you're just going on mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, that seems like a plausible story, but you don't actually have any evidence to put the person there at the time or any physical evidence connecting them to the crime or anything else. It's just this kind of inference of like like the woman who went to prison for shooting her husband in the back of the heads. So they had house guests a couple of weeks before who said that the husband was really all about making sure that the back doors were locked. And she said, you know, he never locked those back doors. And that's why she's in prison. God. There was literally no evidence on her at all. Nothing. But Physically, if she had held the gun to the back of the man's head and shot him, you know, like, where is any of the evidence? There was no gunshot residue. There was no blood. There was no nothing. And she called the police herself. And I think you told me about that at the time. And my response was, that's such an unnuanced perspective of that. And the thing that we both said was, if the if the husband was anxiously telling everyone at this dinner party to keep the back door locked, it means he was doing a bad job of it, and his wife was nagging him about it. Constantly. That's what I thought. Yeah, they'd totally. had a bear in the backyard, so you know, obviously, it was something oh to, God. you know, to be so concerned the, about. The they bear, want the bear. did the bear. I kill him? don't think that the bear. No opposable thumbs, so I'm thinking oh, the bear probably there was didn't. A gun. There was a gun involved. Right. If there, if he, you know, like hit him with a picnic basket, maybe it would a have picnic been a picnic basket. Picnic basket. Okay, That's, Yogi Bear was. Always after the picnic basket. Oh, was he? Oh, yes. that's cute. Yogi and Boo Boo were always after the picnic basket. But Yogi was canceled, so we can't talk about him. Um, I'm just kidding. Yogi Bear was not canceled. Gina Rowden will be very pleased because next week we are traveling back in time. We're doing another episode on True Crime TV Club of a crime to remember. This one will take us to Los Angeles in the 1920s, but it will not be the chicken coop murders, which we have already done twice oh, wow. and we cannot do again. This Twice? Be, oh, yeah, we, we did. did. We did the movie, movie and the, um, yeah. yeah, you're right, we did. The episode is entitled Guess Who? It's season four, episode six, streamable on Discovery Plus um, for those who like to read ahead, but it's not a requirement. Or streamable for free with commercials on ID. Yeah, exactly, because we don't have sponsors other than ourselves currently, so when we talk about how we love Discovery Plus, you know it's real. It's genuine. We really do. We really do love it. And when we talk about how Hulu needs to fix their <laughs> shitty app and they need to fucking put um, 
the, the thing about Harry on their goddamn site because it, Disney owns the fucking movie and like it's not like there's all these other rom-coms about gay people on their goddamn website. <laughs> Do you think this is the part of the podcast that makes Tommy Ann feel like she's at mass? I, I think that's it. I think that sounded very liturgical. Uh. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shockwin. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Um, thanks. This is TDPS.